What is going on, Cheat Code Sports Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? You got K-Love, you got Stevie P. We are coming at you with another podcast. What's going on, Steve? What's going on, K? What's going on, everybody? What's going on? So uh, today we are going to um, talk about some breakout players, uh, guys going in the, you know, mid, kind of the mid-rounds that, you know, could break out and be league winners for you. Um, you know, possibly taking a jump into the next level to, you know, kind of, you know, put them in a higher tier going in the next year. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, but before that, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, this weekend and some of the preseason action, um, anything that we liked. I mean, I think the whole miles Gaskin stuff was kind of put to bed. Uh, he looked pretty good when, from what I saw, um, you know, Caught the ball very well out of the backfield, was getting a lot of targets out of the backfield. I felt like he ran the ball well on his opportunities. Um, you know, if you look at the stats, I think Malcolm Brown had like 10 carries, and I think Gaskin had like, I think, seven, six or seven. But Brown was really not in the game like that with two in there. It was mostly Gaskin, especially the first drive. It was all Gaskin. So. That's what we wanted to see, um, and it kind of, like I said, it kind of put the kibosh to all that stuff that was going on last week. With, you know, is Miles Gaskin in the middle of a of a committee in which he's kind of the second to third option? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like we were saying the other day, don't don't go too crazy, but it was concerning what we saw in the first preseason game. So. In this preseason game, they came out. He was with the first team. Um, you know, he did – you know, Tua was still in there. He did come out for – I think it was the second drive when Malcolm Brown came in and everything. But um, I still – he still is going to be the guy who catches the ball out of the backfield in this group. And I keep telling you guys, in in committees where you're going to see guys that, you know, are sharing work with especially three-headed monsters, I want the guy who catches the ball. You know what I mean? It is, it is what it is. I mean, Travis Etienne is another guy in a, in a three – three-man committee that is going to be catching the ball. Naeem Hines in a three-man committee, he's going to be catching the ball. Like, I don't get me wrong, in Naeem Hines' situation, you got Jonathan Taylor, and a lot of people are taking Jonathan Taylor super high. But, you know, I still want the pass catching back in those groups because they are going to be guys that are utilized. And, you know, we had a comparison in the in the preseason we were talking about, and I was comparing, you know uh, – Austin Eckler to Miles Gaskin, you know, and comparing their numbers from last year. So we know what Miles Gaskin can be. He can be Austin Eckler light. So, you know, he has that's kind of what he was in this game too. Like yeah. that's legitimately what he was. And he scored two touchdowns. So yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that made that made everybody feel very very good. But you know, I still have a little bit of concern with him because last year I think he when he was there he was the unquestioned guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was basically the unquestioned guy, and I don't think he is the unquestioned guy any longer. But still, a guy that I'm interested in fantasy. Maybe going a little too high when he goes in the fourth round. I would like to get him in the fifth round, but you know, it is what it is. He's he's going to be used as the pass catching back, and he's going to run the ball a little bit. And you know, I like his role. So you know, if I can get him in the fifth round, I'm going to be super happy. If I have to take him in the fourth, eh, you know, what I mean, it makes me a little nervous. But, uh, yeah, I I agree completely. I mean, if I can get him in the fifth round, it's gold. Um, I may grab him end of the fourth. I'm not reaching for him, you know, to get him if he's there in the fourth. And I'm really not big on anybody else around him. I'll grab him. But, uh, you know, I, I 
you know, I'm not put it like this. I'm no longer scared or fearful of taking Miles Gaskin, which I think after last peak, uh, last last week, some people were a little bit starting to get a little on edge of whether they take him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, from this weekend that was popping all over the place was Corey Davis. Um, I'm going to start by saying this: Zach Wilson looks like the real deal to me. Um, I know he's played against second teamers, so I don't want to jump to conclusions yet. But I just love his his poise in the pocket. If you watch him play, like, if you watch him drop back in this game, just watch his watch how how he is in the like he's so it look he looks so calm in the pocket, so calm. Um, it kind of reminds me a little, I don't want to say Mahomes, but it does. It just kind of reminds me just, he's just dropped back. He's just looking around like he doesn't have a worry in the world. And you kind of need that in your quarterback. Not that, you know, he can't take a shot. I mean, we saw Justin Fields get smashed this week. Um, but you know, and, and that obviously could change things if you, you know, you see Zach Wilson get smashed and automatically the next play, he's not doesn't look like you know he's erratic and he's overthrowing guys because he's rushing the ball out and stuff like that that can happen but this game and the first game of preseason this dude looks so calm in the pocket and that's what you need in your quarterback moving on to Corey Davis he was just looking for Corey Davis all the time like a lot in this game and you know, Corey Davis was getting open they were extending plays a little bit to where you know, Wilson was able to show off his arm and get the ball to Davis downfield. Um, you know, obviously Elijah Moore coming back may affect the may affect the number of targets because Elijah Moore apparently has had a very good preseason and before he got hurt and you know he he could obviously be you know used heavily in this offense. They haven't really brought Jamison Crowder out at all, so we don't really know how the rest of the wide receiving core is going to shape out, but. You know, from what we've seen from Corey Davis, I mean, he's moving up a little bit in my ranks, uh, you know, over some of these other guys that have been that I had, a, um, you know, ahead of him. Yep. Uh, in that Jets game, you know, like you said, it, to me, it's hard to judge a guy, a quarterback in preseason going against the second team. And, you know, what I mean, because a lot of te- and a lot of teams are just playing so vanilla defense like they're not seeing, you know, exotic blitz packages and they're not seeing you know they're not seeing a lot of the stuff that that they're going to see in the regular season so I always take what I see from rookie quarterbacks with a grain of salt but what I was impressed with was Michael Carter I mean I thought Michael Carter ran the ball extremely well I mean he had he had 10 carries I think he had what is it 50 52 yards in the game um and to me he just he reminded me of what he looked like in college. You know what I mean? He, you know, in North Carolina, he was one of those guys that I think a lot of people just thought was a scat back. But if you watched him play, he ran the ball hard and he hit holes and he he did a lot of things that I think a lot of people don't like don't realize because they just see you know they look at the numbers and they see his you know his five ten and he's you know whatever two oh five. I mean like they see the number and they see the height and they go. Eh, you know, well, whatever. He's a scat back, but he ran the ball extremely hard in college. Like, I, he was not a guy that you know played to his height and and you know and weight. 
So, you know, I was happy to see him get out there and, and play well. Um, and I think this Jets team is definitely on the up and up. They're moving, they're moving up, you know, everywhere. Yeah, they got football guys running shit now, which is which is good. You know what I mean? Robert Sella is, uh, is a football guy. Um, you know, Joe Douglas and their GM is a football guy. So, you know, it's going to take some time. Obviously, this franchise was has been in the mud for years. But uh, like you said, they obvi- they're obviously moving in the right direction. Um, you know, anything else that you noticed from this preseason, this uh, week two that you want to uh, get into? We kind of talked about Cam. I thought Cam looked impressive. You know, what I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how Cam plays in this third preseason game. How long they have the starters in? Um, Bill Belichick has never been known to have like his starters in for an extended period of time at, at all in the preseason, but that was because Tom Brady and the starters he kind of knew what he had. So for sure. yeah, <laughs> so, you know, I think quite possibly, and, and you can't go by last year because it was no preseason. So you know, I'm interested to see how this <clears throat> workload goes into the third. Third, you know, it could be. Yeah, they because they haven't named a starter. Bill Belichick is not going to name Cam Newton the starter until week one. I mean, that's just the way he operates. We all knew Tom Brady was the starter, so there was no question. But now that there's a question, he's not going to let us know until it's time to let us know. Um, but I am interested to see how the snaps go, especially in the running back committee. You know, I think, you know, Damian Williams, I would like to see a heavy dose of Damian Williams in this third game. Uh, I would like to see, you know, Cam be as proficient as he was last week. I mean, the Eagles defense, you know, me and Kev talked about it. They were missing some players. They didn't look, you know, they didn't look like the same team that they looked like in week one. So, uh, of course, they were going up against Mason Rudolph, which, (laughs) I mean, that's, it is what it is. But, you know, I I would like to see Cam get a little bit of work, you know, and see what happens. Um, And Steelers offense, I thought, looked very good. Um, Ben pushed the ball down the field, hit Deontay Johnson on a long, you know, 40, 45 yard pass. Mm -hmm. You know, Najee had the nice little breakaway off the off the pass over the um, middle of the field. He was catching the ball pretty routinely. Are you nervous about Najee in the running game? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I just think his volume is going to eventually win out. I mean, I don't think he's going – I don't think he will be the – I think it will be tough for him to start the season. I do think offensive lines begin to gel as the season progresses. That's one thing, you know, with a lot of offensive lines. I mean, you they're kind of uh, – right now they're kind of a throw, uh, just guys thrown together. Once they start working together, you know, getting a little bit of a, a cohesion about them, they'll start to get better. So you'll start to see Najee over the course of the year, as long as they all stay healthy. I think his his rushing will get better, and I think he's gonna he's gonna get a ton of work in the receiving game as well. I mean, they have targets, but I'm not worried about Najee at all. Like, at, seriously, like it doesn't. Um, I'm not really. I still have him ahead of Mixon. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm honestly thinking in PPR. I'm honestly thinking about pushing him ahead of Chubb. Because of the amount of you know the amount of receptions he's probably going to have in comparison to what Chubb's going to get. Yeah, how do you feel about uh, <laughs> Baby Gronk, dude? <laughs> honestly, like I mean, I don't think that. So put it like this, man. All right, I don't. I'm not drafting Baby Gronk. We're not. We're none of. We're not like. If we're not going to draft Baby, like I'm not drafting Kyle Pitts because of the rookie tight end thing, and yeah. you know he's obviously got a crazy, you know, crazy, crazy, you know, ADP. But you start talking about Baby Gronk, like 
I mean, the guy looked very good catching the ball. He don't drop anything. Eric Ebron dropped a pass in this game. Mm. He's never really been like a great bright spot. So, you know, I could see him coming on, especially as the season goes on, but he's not really somebody I'm looking to draft or anything like that. Yeah, I, I just thought it was cool to see him score two touchdowns with Big Ben throwing it to him. I, I you know, I, I like Big Ben. I, I mean, like, I know Big Ben is in, you know, he's had his fair share of uh, – ordeals since he's been in the NFL but you know he was always a quarterback that I respected just because of the way he plays the game I mean Big Ben you know Big Ben is one of those guys where you I mean you can't you can't help but root for the guy because he's oh he plays hard every game like you know I mean like you can tell Ben is out there trying it I mean it does you never watch a a Pittsburgh Steeler game and think oh Ben gave up because he just doesn't and I you know I respect his game um You know, and this Lions, like, were you disappointed that you didn't see, you know what I mean, like the first team go all that much? Well, for for Detroit? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I you know, to me, that's a team that needs to kind of get as much work in as they can. And, you know, they haven't really, they haven't really, uh, you know, done it. They haven't really put their guys out there too much, so... You know, we'll have to wait and see what happens when the season goes on. But, you know, it is what it is. It's preseason. He's, you know, everybody, it seems like this year where there being three games, mm-hmm. every coach is kind of doing things differently and learning on the fly. Yeah. Like, are we going to make week two the dress rehearsal? Are we going to make week three the dress rehearsal? Are we going to make week, you know, three kind of what week four was where we find out who we need to cut or, you know, so – you know, I think this is everybody's kind of learning on the fly with this, uh, you know, with this year because of the three preseason games instead of four. It's a little bit new. Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely new. And I, and you know, what? I don't like that. I thought I would like it a little bit more because, you know, it keeps guys healthy and all that. But I think it also stops teams from really trying to play guys because, you know, they only have three weeks of preseason. I mean, like, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, you know. They got to see who they want on their team. So yeah. Start so they're playing, like, like the but, guys that. We, but we got, basically, we got to come. But we, what we got to come around to on the fact is nobody likes preseason games. It don't matter if there's three or four. Yeah. So the fact that there's less is kind of like good. At least there's less preseason games. But, you know, I think. You know, expecting the preseason to be like some kind of, you know, first half all the starters like it it just doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, they're kind of, they're trying to keep guys healthy, and you know, I was surprised with some of these games. I mean, even with uh, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, like once Ben Ben came out, Mason Rudolph came in, but Juju was still out there. Ebron yeah, was still yeah. like you still stall some of the starters out there. Yeah. So you know that was a little bit interesting, but. You know, all in all, I you know this this see this preseason. I can't wait to get to September. What is it? September 9th, 9th. and get the yep. season on the roll. I hear that. All right. Well, that's kind of it for the teams that I really was. Yeah, I got I got two more things that I'll bring up. Number one was uh, Singletary and Moss. You brought you kind of we kind of had a discussion about this like um you know the other day. Um, Singletary just has looked better in, than Moss in the preseason. I don't know if that's going to translate to carries when the regular season starts. Um, you know, I was listening to another podcast today and I actually heard a great point on this. In this offense, I think it's more 
predicated towards what Singletary does. Because you're not looking for a running back that's going to ground and pound. You already have this electricity. What you need is a little bit of an excitement, exciting player that can break a big, you know, break off big plays because that's what your passing game is going to do. Like, if you're putting out Zach Moss, you're really just slowing things down for your offense when this offense just needs to be going, you know, fast paced, yeah, moving yeah. at a fast pace. And, you know, with Singletary out there, you he's kind of a bigger, a more of a, a chance at a big play. Whereas with Moss, you're just kind of getting like a Jordan Howard type of, you know, four yards at the most and he's going down. Yep. So, you know, we'll see how that translates. I just think that, you know, we both – uh, thought that Singletary has looked better in this preseason. Um, and there was one more thing. Oh, Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke has become a real thing now. You know, um, I think after week one, we thought it was going to be Locke. Now they don't know because Teddy played so well with the starters and Drew Locke wasn't very good with his in his time out there this week. So that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, from what we heard, Vic, Frangio, Vic Fangio said that he wants to make a decision bef- this week. Doesn't want to wait till after the third preseason game. So if that's the case, no, we're going to see what's happening this week, and and we'll know, you know, going forward what that's going to mean uh, for this offense. Um, but that's definitely something to pay attention to. Um, and I have not been watching this game uh, at all. I've kind of just been seeing little tidbits from the Saints and Jaguars game that's going on. But uh, what's happening with Taysom Hill versus uh, uh, Jameis Winston? Is Has Winston been outplaying him? Yes. Like, yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, Jameis Winston to me is clearly the better quarterback. I yeah, know Sean Payton. Sean Payton has a love affair with Taysom Hill that he just can't get over, and I think he's trying to give him a shot. But yeah, I watched the full first like, quarter, dude. Like, there, it's not close. This is huh. not a competition. Jameis Winston is cl- clearly needs to be the starter. Like, uh, so what we saw last week from Taysom Hill was a guy that was dinking and dunking. He was, you know, he, you know, he just wasn't doing anything that you were like, oh, okay, well maybe this offense could be good. Like, it was bad. You know what I mean? Like, Taysom Hill was bad. And then he throws a pick, and it was just, I don't know, he's just bad. And Jameis Winston came in this game, and I think he started for he started 7-for-7, seven seven, threw a touchdown uh, 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 to Marquez Calloway. And then the very next drive basically goes off, and he's, he looked like fucking Drew Brees. Like, he was like, you know, he was throwing little dump passes to, to, to the running backs. He, he was throwing to that uh, the rookie tight end. I can't remember the hell his name. Uh, they trans they they changed him over to tight end. He was a wide receiver. I'll to think of his name. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, but I mean, he catches a nice pass on the sideline. Marcus Callaway on the second drive scores another touchdown. Like I don't know, dude. Like it, to me, uh, Jameis Winston. I think well, I'll look at the stats, but I'm pretty sure he was like, I think he had like one incompletion. I'm pretty sure he had like a perfect quarterback rating. <laughs> I'm not even <laughs> kidding. I think he was like 150. I know 158.3, he had to been damn close to that because I'm pretty sure he only had one incompletion. Like, it was yeah, crazy. Yeah, 157.5. Yeah, it's really not even close now I'm looking at it because Taysom Hill, 6 of 13. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston, 9 of 10 for a one buck 23 and two touchdowns. Yeah. If they <laughs> – I'm telling you right now, too. Dude, if you are able to get Michael Thomas and then handcuff him with Marquez Callaway, I think that is a move. I just did this in the draft we did on Friday. 
I think that's a good move to make. Grab Michael Thomas in like the sixth, seventh round where he's going. Grab Marquez Callaway late in the draft. I think you will I think you'll you'll love the outcome. Yeah. So for the quarterback competition is it's not a competition, dude. It's it, not it, a competition. I it, mean, we'll no, see. It's, not. it's the only thing that makes it a competition is Drew Brees or um, you know Sean Payton's love of Taysom Hill. It's the only thing because you can't even say it's yeah. you can't even and say and it's, it's against a, the Jaguars too. So yeah, I mean, I don't want to go crazy yeah. and be like, oh yeah, I mean he was he was the most amazing quarterback against the '85 Bears. Yeah, because that's not what happened. Yeah. I mean, he's playing the Jaguars. Jaguars defense. It's clearly, At the same time, Taysom Hill is. Oh yeah, not horrible. playing well against horrible. these Jaguars. So he's <laughs> like we got to take that into consideration yeah, too. Taysom, is, Jay, Taysom Hill is just not—he's just not a quarterback. Not a quarterback, dude. He's not, like, and don't get me wrong. Like, I know a lot of people were saying. I heard a lot of fantasy analysts saying that they wanted Taysom Hill to be the quarterback because uh, now that you know Mike, you know Mike Thomas is out that he brings a running dynamic to the team that could open up the offense a little bit more than what you know, than what Jameis Winston can do. And I don't agree. Like, I I think the best quarterback should play. I don't, I don't think you need to gimmicky your offense in any situation. Like, this is the NFL. You pay players to play. If one guy goes down, guess what? It's next man up, bro. Like, there is no such thing as, oh, we got to, you know I mean, this isn't fucking college. This is not college football. You can't no. gimmicky your offense in the NFL. You need to just play your offense. Like, yep. I don't care what nobody says. Like we saw this a couple years ago with the with the Miami Dolphins when you know they had t- quarterback issues and they started running the the Wildcat and fucking Wildcat was like, oh my god, everybody was about the Wildcat. Guess what happened to the Wildcat after fucking half a season? The, nobody runs it anymore because everybody figured it out and now it's like just done. There's no gimmicky offense in the NFL. It's either your offense is good or your offense is bad. That's it. Like there's it just doesn't work that way. All right, guys, so now we'll get into our breakout candidates for year number uh, 20. Well, year number, uh, the year of 2021. Um, So I will start it off um, with a guy that I basically talked about all year. Everybody soured on him a little bit, including me, and now I'm back on him. DeAndre Swift. Um, I think DeAndre Swift could be the Detroit Lions version of Aaron Jones. Um, The same way he is used with Green Bay last year, I see DeAndre Swift, you know, being that same type of player. Um, You know, obviously Jamal Williams is going to be there. He can do a little bit of everything, but Jamal Williams is really just a guy. You know, he's a nice secondary back to have and mix in here and there, but, you know, with your with your primary option. And I think that's what Swift is. Swift is a, you know, potential he could with the way last year's draft went, it was just it seemed like they were so much running back talent that people teams were just like, we can wait on running back. And that's why this guy slipped into the second round because I think DeAndre Swift would have been a first round pick in almost any other year. Um he comes into this year, you know, obviously he had the groin thing, but, you know, he pra- he started practicing, you know, the end of last week. We haven't heard any bad things coming out to where, you know, it was a setback or anything like that. Um, I think you're going to see this guy touch the ball close to 250 times with the amount of receptions he's going to get plus the amount of carries he's going to get. And if, you know, if that's the case with the way this team wants to run the ball and with the type of offense they've had, I mean, every – 
their their offense is going to have to be filtered through the tight end and the running backs because I mean I think Amon Ross St. Brown from what I've seen is actually pretty good I'm not going to lie but when you were working with Brashard Perriman and Tyrell Williams like you're going to have to you're going to have to rely kind of on your running game your your you know receivers out of the backfield we know Jared Goff will get pressure on them and you know just kind of get rid of that ball quickly and check it down so I just think Swift's in, in you know, in line to have a really big season, kind of capitalize what he did last year. And I think going into next year, people are going to be really looking at him in the middle of the second round, possibly at the end of the first, uh, depending on how much of a breakout he really is. Yep. Uh, I, you know, DeAndre Swift is a guy that, you know, me and Kevin have talked about a bunch. I mean, I like DeAndre Swift. I, I like, I like the things I saw from him last year. You know what I mean? He, and a lot of people don't talk about this, but, he actually ran the ball pretty well in, you know, in the goal line last year. He, you know, I mean, he was a pretty good goal line back. He catches the ball well. You know, he's not the fastest guy. You know, he's, you see him get caught a couple of times in, when he breaks open in the open field. Uh, so he's not, you know, he's not a crazy burner. But, you know, he's shifty and he can get open. And, you know, he's one of those guys that when you get the ball in his hands, it's always like, ooh, ooh, this could be good. So, you know, I agree with Kev. I think, you know. I don't know if he'd be a top, you know, eight running back, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got to like anywhere from 12 to, you know, 15. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he was in that range. Um, my guy is Terry McLaurin. I, you know what I mean? Like, I just can't talk about this guy enough. Um, you know, this is a guy that is basically in ADP is being drafted as the wide receiver 10. Um, I have him as the wide receiver five. <laughs> so... Obviously, I think he's going to break out. You know what I mean? I just – I like this offense. I like the way I think that they're going to utilize him in this offense. I think he is going to be the, the bona fide one. You know, I, I don't – there is not – to me, there's not going to be a 1A, 1B situation here. I think Terry McLaurin is clearly the best pass-catching player that this team has. Um, and the weapons around him – don't hurt him i think they make him better i mean because you know logan thomas we saw what he did last year you know he's a guy that gets first downs and you know he can score some touchdowns because he's just a big big dude um you know curtis samuel i love him coming over because it just puts another outside threat a guy who can get deep on teams a guy who's going to get take end arounds and and do you know do some dynamic things to get the ball rolling in this, you know, in this Washington football team's offense. So to me, if you can have a chain moving couple of guys, it just is going to put this team in more scoring positions. And I think Terry McLaurin is just going to feed, uh, you know, because of just the better situation that they're in. Plus this defense is no joke. So it would not surprise me if, you know, Washington was kind of dominating teams in times of possession because, you know, this defense is no joke. This defense can get turnovers. This defense can get sacks. And, you know, they, they could they could really, you know, make this offense even better than what we're, we're thinking it could be because, you know, they just get the ball back a lot. So um, I, I love Terry, and I'm going to be drafting him a lot this year. Yep, I agree. I think the only thing that has held Terry McLaurin back for two years is his quarterback play. Um, last year, uh, you know, who was it two years ago? Um, it was, Case Keenum. No. Case Keenum. 
Yeah. Uh, they have Allen out there and Kyle. Kyle. I don't think it was Kyle Allen. I know Case Keenum was their quarterback. I don't remember who replaced him. Kyle if he Allen went replaced down. him. Here, let me see. No, nah, Kyle Allen was with – he came over last year because he From was in Panthers. Carolina. He was with, yeah, with, he was with Panthers. Ron Rivera in Carolina. But, you know, McLaurin's been held back by his his quarterback play. It's been Case Keenum, um, you know, Alex Smith, D- Dwayne Haskins. Like, you know, I'm not calling Ryan Fitzpatrick the – you know, premier quarterback in the NFL. But one thing about Ryan Fitzpatrick is he will let her rip. And no, it was you know, Kyle Allen. It was Kyle Allen two Kyle years Allen, ago. Kyle Allen was the starting quarterback in 2019. Wow. So there you have it. I mean, this, this guy's had no quarterback play in, you know, the two years that he's been in the NFL. So in my opinion, like, you know, he's got a quarterback this year that'll give him opportunities. Um, he's finished 29th. In his rookie year, he was 20th last year. Um, I could just – I see him moving, you know, way up into that that single-digit range of finishes this year um, just off the fact that he's got a quarterback that's going to give him an opportunity to make plays at the ball and not just check down to the running back when he, you know, has a one one defender that is three feet away from him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I agree. Um, next player is Deontay Johnson. Um, I think Deontay Johnson for me would have broken out last year had he been able to catch the ball. However, I feel like drops, you know what I mean, are they're kind of an unpredictable stat. They can kind of change from year to year. You know, T.O. was one of the is one of the leaders in league history in drops. Terrell Owens and like nobody was questioning how good of a player he was. Um, you know, going into this year. Uh, Deontay Johnson last year finished 21st. I have him ranked 14. I can see him in PPR leagues finishing as, as the back end of wide receiver one if he's going to continue to get the amount of targets he got last year. Um, I talked about this on the wide receiver podcast. Like, why I think Chase Claypool, I do like him and what he's going to bring to the table, but he's already getting banged up early. And I just see him more as a downfield threat, kind of the way they were using Martavis Bryant when you know there was Juju, AB, and Martavis Bryant out there. I think that's kind of how the similar way they're going to use uh, Claypool. And it doesn't mean that he won't be as effective, but the targets are just going to go heavily to Juju and Deontay Johnson. And so, in my opinion, you know, with Johnson getting what do you have? Last year he had 140. You know, if we're going to get an extra game this year, and if this guy's healthy, he can see 160 targets. And to me, if he sees that and he continue and he, you know, picks up his catch percentage, he can t- he's going to have over 100 catches. And I think that's going to put him at the back end of wide receiver one territory. So I could really see Deontay Johnson breaking out this year. Mm, yes, sir. All right, so I have a surprise name, Josh Jacobs. So I know everybody is all about. Kenyon Drake coming over and getting big money and he's going to take a whole lot of touches away from Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs is blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? All the stories you can say, but I've been watching what the Raiders are doing in preseason and I have been listening to what they're saying and they have no, like you ask any player on that team who is, you know, you know, obviously the leader is, you know, Carr. But it's Derek Carr. But if you talk to anybody on the team, there's no question that this offense runs through Josh Jacobs. Like they are all say it like he is our workhorse. If you watch, I don't know if you guys watch the top 100 players 
uh, you know, it's on NFL Network, and they every year they do like you know one hundred all the, the way players. Down. Yeah, the players vote for these guys. Yeah, the players vote for the guys, and he was ranked like seventy eight or something like that. And uh, you know, you just talk to you listen to some of the NFL players that are talking about him. They're just like, this dude runs pissed off. Like, there's no other way to say it. Like, he runs angry, and he tries to hurt you on every play. Like, he does not want to get tackled. He doesn't want to go down, and. You know, to me, I'm not really worried about, you know, Kenyon Drake. For one, he's not even playing right now. He's he's hurt. For two, you know, Jacobs, I would like to see him get into that 40-catch range, which he probably won't do this year because of Drake. But I could clearly see him get into, like, that 30-catch range and being kind of, you know, he was running back eight last year, and everybody acts like he was running back – 47 you know what i mean like people are like so down on this dude and he was running back eight last year so and i understand like there was injuries and there was guys so he probably maybe he finishes in the top 12 bottom end of the top 12 and not in the middle but i don't think that's why people are are i think it's more about the way his production came he was kind of like the amari cooper of running backs like i think week one he had the three touchdowns Mm -hmm. week one i think he had three of them and then yeah didn't score for like the next month and yeah. you know, his opportunities weren't there, but um, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I do think Josh Jacobs is being way underdrafted yeah. um, where he's going. And you know what I mean? Like, and that's why, you know, do I think he gets into the top three? No, I don't. I mean, I don't think he has that kind of upside, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was once again, a top eight running back. Like it would not surprise me at all because I know he scored, you know, had a couple of games where he scored numerous, you know, multiple touchdowns in the games but if he can get that consistently and if this Raiders defense is better like let's be honest he would have saw a lot more carries last year and a lot more touches if this Raiders defense was any good this Raiders yes. defense was trash like they were giving up points in bunches like they didn't have a choice but to stop running the ball and start throwing because they were getting trashed by teams but in games that they were competitive we saw the Saints game we saw you know games that they were competitive against teams they ran the ball a lot so you know, we just need the Raiders to be a little more competitive on the defensive end of games to see Josh Jacobs possibly have a, you know, a 300 touch season. So, you know, I'm not saying that that's this year, but it would not surprise me if it was this year, if the Raiders defense can prove that they're just a little bit better and they can keep their offense in games. Yeah. Like I said, I think, I think that Josh Jacobs is kind of like a poor man's Nick Chubb at this point. Um, and that's not a bad thing. You know, I mean, we act, you know, Nick Chubb is a first round running back. Uh, we talked about him a little bit on the, you know, when we talked about the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, this guy was basically, you know, I talked about, I talked about my story with Alvin Kamara and, you know, my fucked up trade that I made, uh, or didn't make, so to speak, but, you know, Chubb every week in that league, half point PPR, there's bonus, you know, three point bonus for hundred yards and stuff like that. But, Every every week except the, t- the f- when he came back when he came back from injury every week except the championship he outscored Alvin Kamara. I mean, you know, when we talk about that, you know, you're talking about a guy who's not getting a lot of receiving work. John Josh Jacobs is going to be in that same type of boat, but we see Nick Chubb finishing as an RB one. Like I just don't think that you know, like you said, I think the offense runs through Josh Jacobs. The guy is. You know, do you really want to put your whole franchise on Derek Carr's arm year after year? Like, nah, man, you gotta, you gotta ride this dude. You drafted him in the first round. It's time to just, you know, take the wheel. You know, let him go. And and 
you know, I think the one thing that hurts is, like you said, I, I don't know how much better the Raiders' defense really got. And if they continue to allow points the way they were last year, they're going to have to continue to throw the ball a lot this year. That's kind of the only thing I think holding Jacobs back. Um, I don't think it's his talent at all. Yep, I agree. All right, so I'm going to wind up taking your guys. We haven't exchanged lists. We talked about this. Steve and I really don't exchange our lists and stuff like that, but I know this guy's going to be on your list. Um, and we'll probably wind up talking about him together, but, uh, T Higgins, um, am I right? Oh yeah. He was my next guy. Okay. All right. Good. So we can talk about him together. Um, in my opinion, you know what I mean? Like this is only getting better and better for T Higgins as this preseason goes on, because all you hear is like how Jamar chase is just not living up to the potential of what he looked like in LSU. Uh, I think he's really still getting adjusted to having a year off and coming back to playing football. I think, you know, I know a lot of players doing that were kind of like, eh, you know, you know, COVID, not want to do that. I'm already up here. Why would I draft uh, jeopardize my draft position, so to speak? Well, you don't realize what taking a year off of football really does, especially from a skill position standpoint. You know, quarterbacking is one thing. You know, you still have the, that arm. You still can let, you know, you still got the cannon to throw. You know what I mean? Reading defenses, you might just need a little bit sharpen up on that if you take a year off. Defenders, defenders, you know, like my um, uh, uh, Michael Parsons. You know what I mean? He looks like a monster in these preseason games because that's just that's just instinct. I mean, he's got the physical tools and it's instinct on defense. Skill position players, you as you graduate to upper levels, man, these guys have seen what you're bringing. You have to have something different than the same stuff that you had at college. And when you're not sharpening that tool uh, against other def- other players, especially in that conference, he would have been going up against. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Patrick Sertan. He would have went up against Patrick Sertan. He would have went up against other guy. Um, JC Horn, I think, was in that conference as well. He would have went up against those guys and probably been able to work on his craft a little bit. And instead, you know, he comes out. He has three drops in the preseason. They're talking about him splitting time with Alden Tate to start the year. Like that's not good news. Unless you're a T Higgins <laughs> owner, because if you're a T Higgins owner, like we're talking right now, like. This dude was a problem last year once he started getting consistent playing time. And I think if Joe Burrow continues to be healthy and progress, I mean, you know, right now he's throwing, but I think they're, t- they're taking him along kind of easy. Um, I, once he's healthy and ready to go, that connection with T Higgins was just so, so sharp last year. Um, you know, I think Boyd is still going to con- command a lot of targets. But you got to remember, we talk about it all the time. There was over a hundred targets to AJ Green last year that is ready to be. It's not like you know Jamar Chase is going to come in or Alden Tate's going to come in and steal all these targets away from T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Like they're still going to get a ton of targets. They're still going to be very productive. And you know, with T Higgins now seeing a full season of you know a full season because he really wasn't used heavily in the beginning of the season. With him coming in, starting from day one, having a rapport with Burrow, knowing what the NFL has after one year, I think T. Higgins is a guy to like. He can make that leap where you're drafting him next year in like the third round because I really think he's just that good. Yep, I agree. I it's crazy. Like I, rem- I we heard I heard an interview with Aaron Rodgers 
where he was talking about like the Jordan Love pick after the draft last year. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he wanted T. Higgins. Like yeah. T. Higgins, like he he talked about Justin Jefferson, but Jefferson wasn't there when Green Bay picked. Mm-hmm. But he was like, You got the kid from Clemson, you got the kid from, you he said the kid from LSU and the kid from Clemson. Mm-hmm. And it's like you could just tell he wanted T. Higgins on that squad. Yeah. And there's probably a reason why, because you see what this kid has to offer. Mm, yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm a big T. Higgins fan. Like, I just, I th- you know what I mean? Like, the dude averaged 13.6 yards, a ca- you know what I mean, per catch last year, like, which is, you know, that's very good, you know what I mean, for a rookie, rookie wide receiver. Uh, he doesn't get the recognition that Justin Jefferson gets because, obviously, Justin Jefferson had fourteen a 1,400-yard rookie season, which is awesome, but... He also didn't get the amount of targets that Jefferson got. He, you know, what I mean, Joe Burrow. Let's Burrow, be honest, is yes, not as not good as good. Kirk Cousins is at this point in their careers. So, to me, it's a situation where T. Higgins last year showed that he is a baller. Like this dude can play ball, and yeah. you know, he's all, to me, he's only going to get better. You know what I mean, 108 targets last year, which you know is pretty good, but. Only 67 catches. A lot of the balls thrown his way were uncatchable. You know, so I think if Joe Burrow gets better, T. Higgins gets much better. You know what I mean? Like, I I think T. Higgins is on that trajectory of a guy that I could see very soon being in the 10, 13 touchdown range and, you know, a 1,000-yard receiver every year. Like, I I just – I see that trajectory for his career. So, you know, I – I. Love everything about T. Higgins. I love his size. I love the way he runs. I love the way he catches the ball. You know, I love the way he dominates cornerbacks. If you watch, you know, you watch him in a couple of games last year, and he really did dominate corners. The other thing that I that I talked about it last year. I mean, if you guys, you know, all you guys who listen to the podcast, you know, since the beginning, you guys have heard me talk about T. Higgins. And one thing that I saw last year that really impressed me from a rookie wide receiver is when the play. You know, a lot of rookie wide receivers when a play breaks down. We'll kind of just stand around and be like, what the hell am I supposed to be doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the quarterback's running around. T. Higgins wasn't doing that at all. Like, T. Higgins was finding where Joe Burrow was running out of the pocket and trying to get into his line of sight. Like, constantly he was doing it. Whenever Joe Burrow was out of the pocket, T. Higgins was running that way. Like, oh, yo, yo, I'm here for you. I got you. I got you. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why he was getting a lot of the passes that he was getting because he was, you know, that's a big deal for, especially for a rookie quarterback who's getting rushed for an offensive line that is basically just shit. You know, when he starts getting that rush, you get your biggest wide receiver out there running around saying, Hey, Hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. You know what I mean? Like it's just easy to dump it off to him. So, you know, I, there's a lot of things in T Higgins games that I, that I love. And I just think he's going to be a really good wide receiver for years to come. Yep. I agree. Oh, my next one is another second-year wide receiver that I just I think is poised to really, really, really show what he was coming into the NFL, and it's Jerry Judy. Um, we've seen kind of what he's about in this preseason. He's started to kind of come together, and and with Sutton kind of struggling to get back to his form. They're going to have to rely on, you know, rely on Judy as their number one. You know, Sutton, from what we heard, like his kind of, I don't want to say pulled up, but there was a play in practice where he was like down the field and he was just couldn't get the get the the the, 
put, t- couldn't turn on the afterburners quick enough to like get under the ball. He was frustrated, and you know Tim Patrick had to come over and like, you know, kind of just like, yo, you'll get there, like, yo, slow down. But like, you could tell like it's just not there yet. And coming off an ACL, Jerry Judy on the other side, I think you know they can kind of ease him, ease Sutton in by working Judy a lot more in the middle of the field, short routes, allowing him to get open quickly, which is what he is best at. He's, you know, one of the most precise route runners that come into the NFL from college probably ever. Um, and I just think like, and from what we're hearing now with, I've, I've talked about it with Teddy Bridgewater. I just think his skill set is perfect. That's what, this is what Teddy does. Like, Teddy finds a guy short that can get open quick. <laughs> like he, he doesn't, you know, I think that hurts Sutton if, if, you know, Teddy is the quarterback. Um, that being said, you know, I think in either way, Jerry Judy. So the thing that held that, you know, Judy obviously was dropping balls last year. Um, but at the same time, his quarterback play was rough. You know what I mean? Like, I think Judy had like the second most uncatchable passes or something like that. Um, I think this year it improves regardless. Because either Drew Locke's going to get better or Teddy Bridgewater is going to be better than what Drew Locke was last year. So either way, I think his quarterback play improves. And I think that's going to help Jerry Judy, uh, you know, kind of stay in form this year and get even better than he was last year. And, you know, really, you know, show the type of player he was coming into the NFL last year. Yeah, I don't really need to go crazy about, you know, adding on to Jerry Judy. I think Harry Judy is a very good wide receiver coming into the NFL, and last season was not was not a good uh, barometer on judging Jerry Judy. You know what I mean? Like, I I think there was a lot of a lot of things that went on with the Broncos that that basically made Jerry Judy struggle. You know what I mean? Obviously, their quarterback situation was terrible. Their offensive line, you know, didn't give their quarterback a, a lot of time. The running game was just okay in some games, and in other games it was good. Um, you know, they had one of the tougher schedules in in the league. It was just there were a lot of things steamrolled into being, you know, the production that Jerry Judy had last year. And yeah, I mean, I just think he's poised to be a breakout guy. I definitely agree with that. Um, the guy I am going to talk about. So there was actually two guys I was looking at when I was looking at this list and I'm going to go with the veteran guy over the young guy. So I was looking at Damian Harris. I was looking at Trey Sermon and I was like, I like both these guys to break out this year, but I'm going to go with the vet and I'm going to say Damian Harris is, is a breakout guy. Now to me, a breakout guy is, you know, being a guy that goes three to four rounds higher the pre, the following season than he was this year. So this year, Damian Harris is being drafted at the end of the sixth round, uh, early seventh round. I could I could easily see him getting into the you know the end of the third round next year just by his play this year. Uh, I love this guy's game. I mean, like the one thing I like about you know running backs like Damian Harris is. I like to see guys that will make a cut, but also lower their shoulder at the same time. You see a lot of guys in the NFL cut and kind of run upright into a hole. And that's not really what Damian Harris does. Damian Harris will cut into a hole, but also be lowering his shoulders ready for impact when he sees the hole. So it's kind of, 
he's kind of that battering ram that Bill Belichick loves. I mean, we saw what LeGarrette Blunt was for this team, you know, just, what was it, four years ago, five years ago? Mm-hmm. You know, the dude had 20 touchdowns. Now, I'm not saying Damian Harris is going to get you 20 touchdowns, but what I am saying is, to me, he is clearly the hardest, best running back on this team as a pure runner. Um, and I think he'll surprise people with his pass catching because I, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that he – he caught balls in Alabama. Like when he I was going to say, he was kind of their pass catching yeah. back in Alabama. Yeah, he was He was a good pass catcher in Alabama. He was so, there with Jacobs, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, towards the end of the season, Jacobs you – know, obviously, Damian Harris was the, was the starter, and then Jacobs eventually took the job later on in the season, which is why a lot of people worried about Jacobs because he didn't have a whole lot of touches. But Damian Harris was the starter for that team for a long time, and he was really, yeah. really good. He was, he was a good pass catcher, and he was a good runner. So um, – you know, just the way he plays football and the way he, you know, he is a one-cut-and-go guy, which I love. You know, I think Damian Harris has a lot of upside, especially with Cam Newton back there because you can't really – there's no situation where you can say we're going to put eight men in the box and not worry about Cam Newton because, let's be honest, Cam Newton is one of those quarterbacks that can really hurt you with his legs. So, you know, I just like the way it sets up for, for Damian Harris, regardless to who's quarterback, really. Uh, but with Cam back there, I like it a little bit even more. So I, I like Damian Harris a lot this year, and I think he could be, you know, RB, you know, fifteen, RB fourteen, uh, at the end by the end of this season, and people are going to uh, be really happy you drafted him at the end of the sixth. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I actually had Damian Harris written down, and I scratched him because I liked. Um, Liked another player more. Uh, I, I it was actually Jerry Judy who I actually liked more. Um, my last guy I wanted to get in here, and he's kind of in. He's probably more of a sleeper, but he's he's a breakout for me as well. Um, you know, he is one of those late round quarterbacks that could, you could draft and wind up being huge for you, and it's Tua. I. Uh, I've loved what I've seen from Tua this preseason, and I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Like I just started getting like a gut feeling. There was no evidence that I had, nothing that really said it. It was just a couple weeks ago I started saying like, man, I really think Tua, Tua just he could have a good year. Like they set him up right with the weapons that they've put him in, in place. Um, they don't have a great run game. You know, like if we're sitting here saying Malcolm Brown, Miles Gaskin is going to be like their running game, like I don't know necessarily how good that is. And, you know, he, I just can see this guy like really using the weapons to his skill set, getting the ball down the field with Fuller and Waddle. Um, I love the way they also been using Waddle with, you know, screens and short crossing patterns and things like that in the preseason. And he hasn't even worked with Fuller and Devontae Parker in these preseason games either. So he's looked extremely good, you know, uh, throwing to Jakeem Grant. (laughs) But you know, when you start getting Parker and Fuller out there with Waddle and he's still throwing the Gasecki and he's, you know, he, he actually had a great pass to Gasecki, I think, the other day, too. But you start seeing him out there with all these weapons and Miles Gaskin coming out of the backfield. There's a ton for him to work with. And I think he always had the skill, the skills. I think last year he was still just a little 
I think he was a little gun shy, a little tentative because of the hip injury. I think now he's full go. He's he's healthy uh, coming into the year. And I think that this year you're really going to see Tua kind of He's another one that's going to turn into that player that everybody thought he would be coming out of college. Um, I can really see to as a finishing as a QB one. It would not shock me at all. Yep. So my guy, uh, like I said, he's he's probably being drafted in like the eleventh or twelfth round. So yeah, 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 he's probably more of a sleeper. But I just saw him as a breakout because you know I, I wanted to throw him on this list. He'll probably he could go in a sleeper list as well. I hear that. So my breakout is going to be Dallas Goddard. Um, a lot of people are like really low on Dallas Goddard now because of the Zach Ertz, you know, news of him staying in Philly and blah, 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 blah. I still think there's a chance to Philly, you know, if a tight end injury goes down, we just saw Adam Troutman go down for the for the Saints. Uh, so I, I could see, you know, him moving to a team with a with an injury, a tight end that, you know, needs somebody to replace their tight end. And, you know, it's going to happen. You know, I could see, you know, a trade happening and they're not going to have to pay much for him. You know, what I mean, I could see like a fifth round pick or, you know, uh, even do a do a fourth round, you know, uh, what's it called? Where they, Slop. yeah, where they basically say, hey, listen, we'll, you know, if he plays X amount of slap, snaps, we'll give him, you know, we'll give you a fourth round pick for him or, you know, whatever, compensatory mm-hmm. pick or whatever. Uh, however they work it out. But, you know, for me, I just love Dallas Goddard. I think he is like, I could, I could see a world where Dallas Goddard is a top three tight end selection next year. Like, I think he's that good. And I know a lot of people are, are looking at him and they're thinking, you know, you look at what Kittle does and you look at what Waller does and you look at what Kelsey does and he's just not in that same elk. And I don't agree. I, I think he is, you know, what doesn't the guy do in the passing game well? Like, we saw the other day he catches a ball on the sideline, takes it upfield. You know what I mean? He does crossing routes. He catches the ball over the middle. He's quick. You know what I mean? He's he's faster than people expect. Like you, he gets behind defenders a lot because they don't expect him to be as fast as he is. Um, so I can see a situation where you know Dallas Goddard really has a good season, a really good season, be just because you know. Smith is hurt. He's coming back from that injury. Reger is not playing up to par with what they what they're expecting. Watkins is, you know, a guy that they're hoping is, you know, their number three wide receiver and plays well. To me, their clear cut guy of all these guys that I just said is Dallas Goddard. That is, you know, how good he is. Like we don't know how good Smith is going to be. We don't know if Reger can live up to his potential. We don't know if, you know, Watkins is a, is a you know a predominant three, you know, uh, you know, slot receiver. We have no idea, but we, what we do know in this team is Dallas Goddard is going to get the ball. <laughs> so it would not surprise me if, you know, they showcased Goddard and Ertz in the first couple of games to try to get some trade value for Ertz. And to me, it's not close. Goddard is going to be the most targeted guy on this team. It would not, would not surprise me if he led the team in targets by a pretty good margin. Uh, so I, I really like Dallas God and I know a lot of people are low on him because, you know, people look at situation, uh, and situation is fine to look at for, for most things, but I think people over, you know, for running for the running back position, I think situation matters more than any other position. And people are looking at this Zach Ertz, you know, 
what's going on with Zach Ertz, and they're just writing off Dallas Goddard. And it would not surprise me if he was a top five running or you know tight end by the end of the season. I completely agree. Nothing more to add there. You know, we've talked enough about Goddard, and you know, I still have him ranked at number six. You know, I I I I don't think that there's anybody drawing targets away from Dallas Goddard on that offense with the exception of, of Ertz and Smith. Um, I do think Smith, I think, I think Devonte Smith is the real deal. Um, he just can't stay healthy right now. Like every time you turn around, he was getting ba- got banged up over yeah. uh, yesterday's practice and, you know, came back out there and you're like, what the hell? But, um, you know, Goddard to me is super reliable you know, him and Ertz over the middle of the field, I can see them both finishing, honestly, as top 12 tight ends because I think they're both going to get a ton of targets. I mean, if, if if Smith can't stay on the field, there ain't really nobody else to throw the ball to. So <laughs> exactly. both of those guys could definitely finish as top 12 of tight ends. Yes, sir. So that's it for tonight's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do the sleepers tomorrow. Wednesday, we'll do busts. Um, you know, get you guys ready. It is draft season. Uh, Steve and I are, you know, the league that we are in, you know, our personal fantasy football league, our draft is on Wednesday night. So, you know, we're, we're ready to go. We're right in the thick of things now. Uh, remember to check out the YouTube channel, cheat code sports, fantasy football. Uh, Steve and I were just talking earlier, probably on Sunday mornings, you know, a couple hours before the game start, we'll get on there on, on like a live channel. Um, and, you know, start answering some start sits, you know, breaking down any, you know, you know, every every week in the NFL, there's always those uh, game day decisions on injuries. Uh, we'll probably be talking about some of that stuff. So, you know, we'll be getting on there right before the games. It's a good chance for you guys to interact with us uh, through the YouTube channel. So that's something also that you can, uh, you know, look forward to. And uh, until next time, peace out, guys. Peace out, family.